0: all right what is going on everyone casey adams here welcome back to the casey adams show today we have ben goodwin the co-founder and ceo of olipop thanks so much for coming on ben
1: yeah pleasure to be with you thanks for having me casey
0: so it only felt right so our buddy stephen parker from Olipop classic, sent me a new case of a crisp he sent me, sent me a case of the new crisp apple so i i gotta tell you i had one earlier and i had to bring it out again for the show spot on with the flavor. So I just wanted to point that out before we dive in. But it's so great to have you on, man. Excited to dive into your story. Um, How's the day so far? It's been quite a day.
1: Uh, (laughs) This morning, I was on a White House-sponsored panel discussing uh, food as medicine and nutrition slash healthcare policy, which is, you know, it's an honor. Uh, that that's been coming together kind of rapidly. Um, I was invited to attend the uh, White House summit on hunger, nutrition, and health recently. It's been a bit of a whirlwind. I didn't expect for there to be follow up, so to be back on a panel is is pretty crazy. Uh, it's definitely you know it's it's pushing a bit outside of kind of my current uh core realm of expertise but there are things that we're trying to do slash influence there so um you know normally when i'm out in a public space talking uh there's like it's not such a high profile thing when i'm still learning how to talk about it publicly
0: <laughs> so it's you know yeah. it's a journey but kind cool. of cranking through no i mean, quite the start of the day I, I usually don't start up a show but i gotta ask you like what's the biggest like, what have you learned so far by going through that experience, right? Like, not that many people get to have that experience working White House covering those type of topics. And, of course, I want to dive into Olipop, but quite the day and quite the, the interesting uh, opportunity that you're going through right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think it's always positive and humbling uh, and not in the kind of pretentious way, but, like, in just kind of, you know, the, the real way to, you know, be moving into an area that, you have a lot of passion for and even strong opinions on and but honestly have less expertise you know and I think to be on such a big stage I think I'm pretty heartened by the kind of uh public sector and and the government's uh, motivation around something that's so important um and the fact that a you know, like quickly growing, but in the scheme of things, especially compared to the Coke and Pepsi, the fact that, you know, a brand like Ollipop even kind of making onto that radar, I think is underlining around the impact that we're having that maybe is beyond what I would have even anticipated. Uh, and at the same time, you know, it keeps giving me bigger mountains to climb up, which is, uh, you know, again, it's, uh it's, it's engaging and it and it's humbling yeah. and I have to, develop expertise and kind of talking communication fluency around an area that is uh, slightly more new for me.
0: Well, very cool to, to hear that, man. Congrats to, to you and the whole team. Um, you know, to dive into iPod man, and to just to echo what you said, I mean, you guys have made quite the quite the the job in terms of the industry I, I see you guys everywhere uh, all of my friends have Alibaba. I live in here in, in LA for context cool um, it's so cool to see what you guys have built obviously I, I met Stephen early early on at a coffee shop here in Venice and just hearing you know his involvement in, in the story from him is world class but I want to ask you what inspired um, Alibaba and the creation of it I know you had a previous company that you can talk about, but, you know, what, when was the idea and what was that point where you're like, wow, I want to go create this. This is what I want to do. And this is the sector I want to dive into.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it's, it has legitimately been a lifelong journey. So I, you know, I grew up poor eating standard American diet that really didn't go well for me. Uh, as like a young man, I grew up like pretty overweight uh, and and that trans- translated to like a bunch of anxiety and kind of poor poor functioning. When I was 14, I kind of had this pivot moment where it, it's like overly simple as it sounds. i like, just like, this is not going to create a good life. And for some reason, I had the insight at that young age, like, hey, I want a good life. I got to take control of this. So I changed a bunch of things, exercise, and I got into therapy. and and But really, it was this like shift around my diet that was so super impactful to me learning more about it was also like incredibly empowering a couple years go by of all those changes and i'm like oh, i've got more energy and what i'm uh, you know i'm more able to, to engage in like fitness and stuff and it's cool but the thing that was the most impactful was really the shift it created in my kind of cognitive functioning and my emotional stability and you know uh coming from a harder environment seeing and and seeing kind of a lot of the issues we face as a country, and you know, yeah. then eventually I learned about the microbiome. I learned about the brain gut axis. You know, the fact that we actually make the majority of our neurotransmitters and our hormones in our microbiome, and has this like profound effect on the way we think and that we feel. And then you look at the world, and you're like, or at least the country, but you know, increasingly the world, and you're like, well, I, you know, huh? We're in quite a state of tur- turmoil as as a country, and I can't help but imagine that that's being at minimum exacerbated by the general state of lack of health. So I dropped yeah. out of college at 20, you know, helped a friend start a kombucha company, that's where I learned about the microbiome, and you know, decade and a half later, here I am with Olipop, but it's always just been about how do I create that really effective uh, Trojan horse style product that really meets people where they are, that can operate at scale, that's not talking down to people so we can change behavior but uh, you know again to do it through something that's actually meeting customers where they are. Um, so yeah, it's just been a really long evolution for me.
0: Very cool. When you talk when you say Trojan horse, um, is that hinting at like other product lines into the future with an Well
1: like Ben, I am about innovation to the point where you know I'm thankful that I have a team around me to be like Ben chill out. Uh, so I mean it's up to me, my like chicken brain, I'd be like creating new things all the time. Yeah. Um, certainly, yeah, There, we have our eye on some pipeline innovation for sure. Um, and I think there's so much work to do around disrupting a category like soda that even if we never came out with pipeline innovation, still have yeah. a massive company uh, and tons of work Absolutely. to do. So, But yeah, the Trojan horse more relates to the fact that you know, we've done clinical trials with Purdue and Baylor College of Medicine. We've gotten great results out of that, out of that testing. Uh, We've got a world-class scientific advisory board that's a rock solid kind of nutritional formula that's been put together. And I could have gone, we could have gone and put that into anything, you know, the choice to put it in something that uh, effectively is a soda, that's also low sugar. um, That's where the Trojan horse really comes into play, where instead of, you know, you're you're basically saying, okay, soda has 97% household penetration. It's as a category it's been around for like 125 years or more so that's something that's really ripe for uh that that so many people have a relationship with it's really ripe for disruption but and it's i mean soda has really never been a vehicle for health uh in the last hundred years and so that's where the trojan horse aspect comes into play
0: i love that and and just to speak from experience here you know I i grew up in an environment in virginia my family wasn't the most health conscious. And I grew up with, you know, Coca-Cola, vanilla Coke, Sprite, Mountain Dew. And it, it hit me when I'm 13, 14, like getting this world of business and entrepreneurship and learning about health. I, I grew up an athlete, but I just, I drink that like Gatorade. Yeah. And now like to see the impact of how that has, you know, how obesity, and all, everything's on the rise and people are just drinking 40 grams worth of sugar in a, in a soda every day it's crazy. And when I first saw Olipop, it really opened my eyes to the, like the real impact that you guys can have on people that are looking for that shift for that change. And even like my whole family, I, I put them on the Olipop. i like, guys, like you gotta have the vintage cola. You gotta have the, the root beer, all the stuff that like on a first taste, it really just blows you away. I'm like, why would I drink, you know, the Coke or the Pepsi or whatever it may be. Um, so first Thank you, because I think the, the disruption that you guys is having, it's it's such an impactful beverage to the market that, I mean, I, I'm, as you can probably see, like a huge fan and I love the product. And I'm sure, you know, that I'm not the only one speaking on that. But when you get, when you think back to the start of Olipop and now all the different flavors that you guys have come out with and, and now to, you know, the, the new crisp apple one that I have here today, how do you think about, launching these different flavors. I know you've done some cool stuff with uh, like the minions and the banana and the, these cool product activations. How do you guys think about the flavors currently and just thinking about them in the future? Cause I think obviously that, that's such a strong um, presence of the brand and, you know, why, why people love it and the different flavors and what you offer. So how do you think about that as the co-founder CEO? Well, so
1: I'm also the formulator. Uh, maybe you know that, maybe you don't know that, but
0: yes, know, I have too, I
1: too many hats. I was just joking with my EA. <laughs> I was up like too late at night uh, sampling a bunch of different tweaks I was making to things. And then I was like, oh, I think I had a little too much Pop right before bed. <laughs> Cause you know, it's, it's an effective product. Um, you know, it's, to be, to be honest, I mean, especially with the early flavors, I really did just rely on the combination of what I thought, like what I wanted to test out in the market what I thought would really generate good traction with the customers. And then what I kind of was excited about, like what I thought, like, Hey, this would be cool. If I could pull this off, I'm excited about this. I think I could do something interesting here. Like Cola is something that I've been thinking about for years prior, prior to Olipop. You know, I had a root beer that I formulated for, for OB and actually it, and it did really well. It was actually a top selling SKU for that, for that business, which is uh, an interesting insight, but, I've been thinking about a for years, but it's so hard to get right, uh, and it's such a beloved product for so many people. But after even thinking yeah. about it for a really long time, you're kind of like, "Hey, all right, let's 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 just do it. Let's just make one and see how and see how if I can pull it off." Um, and as we went down the road, still at the at the end of the day, it's not where we sit now. It's not like we don't take data into, into account. So actually, the 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 biggest piece of data that I've taken inspiration from are the requests from our customers so we've got a we've got a customer flavored database in terms of all of the organic <laughs> requests that have flowed in It's probably something to the tune of like 10,000 requests and so wow every month or so I get an updated like pie chart with here's you know excluding everything that we formulated that we have something really similar to here's what the customers yeah. are asking for they're stack ranked and that gives me a lot of insight now because that's who I care about, you know, creating yeah. great for is our, is our customers. Like, that's who I, you know, I, that's who I care about. So if they, if they're able to give us feedback around what they want, that's super useful. But uh, I also will, either it's like way farther down the list, or maybe it's not even on the list. Like Tropical Punch was a good example of that. It's not like nobody asked for some kind of fruit punch or Tropical Punch. Yeah. But, you know, I grew up drinking Red Hawaiian Punch and, uh, nope. You just, yeah. You know that, I mean, it's got that, like, it, it, you know, I'm like, no one's going to expect this, but I, <laughs> I just think it's going to absolutely was like crush when it gets to market. If I can, if I can make it taste like this thing that's in my mind. Right. And so that's, then I, that excites me. And I basically like inspiration is my fuel. So if something gives me that excitement and inspiration, I, I, you know, want to grind towards it. And yeah. That, and that's, that that flavor has done extremely well but that wasn't based on data it was just based on a bit of a hunch and i've got so i've got like kind of a bag i've got a bag of things that i know customers want or i know is that so classic soda experience then i've got a bag of things where i'm just like dude this would be such a slamming flavor if i could pull this off and that's exciting
0: very cool to hear um w- when it comes to the early days of like distribution for Alibaba, i know you were involved in beverage previously but Like for me, one of my favorite things to do is, you know, walk into Erwan and just try different drinks, try different beverages. It's like a a guilty pleasure of mine. Yeah, super fun. Uh, And then I have my my Olipop on, you know, Renew, so that's already dialed in, right? But when it comes to like the early days of distribution for Olipop and like getting into this first door, how was that process for you? And what were some of the challenges that you guys faced to get to where you are today when it comes to the amount of locations you guys are in? And, And I'd love for you to speak on that in terms of how many locations, like top markets, just to give an overall sense of, you know, the customer and and how you guys think about the business. Yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, Yeah. There's a couple layers of answers to that. So, I mean, start with the easy stuff. So we're in in about 21,000 doors and that will grow pretty meaningfully next year. And that includes, uh, you know, we're in about 4,000 Walmarts and 1600 targets, Publix, H-E-B, very wide distribution in Kroger, wide distribution Safeway Albertsons, Whole Foods, Sprouts, um, just started our our first rotations at costco and those are going super well so you know we're we're definitely like we've got some footprint now which is fantastic um you know it started it really did start very very scrappy uh it literally started there was actually shout out to this particular distributor there's a distributor who took a chance on us in northern california which is where we started the the business originally neither my business partner or i live there now but that's where we did kick off and so there was there's a uh a great kind of heartfelt distributor called Dairy Delivery. Uh it's a DSD and we went to their Dave and I just went to their office with demo of the product and they was like, "Hey, you know, we've got some background, this is what we think this product could do. Give it a try, take a chance on us and you know, they set a target. They're like, "Look, sell into X number of stores. Once you've said sell into those stores, we agree we'll pick you up." But they were still cool about it. Like we did sell into quite the number of stores, we were getting close, but they could sense the excitement we were getting and they're like, ah, fuck it. We'll just, we'll just push you out (laughs) now. And so that's, that was like our first thing. And then once you get onto your initial shelves, it's just, it's about like getting from proof point to proof point. So we are doing, we're hitting these velocities. We're doing this kind of breakthrough um, in this type of store and in this type of environment. Then we take that data and we take, you know, the hustle of the, of the field team, which used to just be David and I, now it's a bit bigger and we just go, we sell to the next door, sell to the next doors. We get a bigger account, then we take that data, we get the bigger account. And so it literally is just like a ground. There's no, you know, there are some super, super established players who, you know, they partner with 7 Eleven before they even launch a brand because that's just where they are in their their career and their connections. But that's not how we started Olipop. It really was from the ground up. Now, one thing that is worth noting for us, which goes back to that kind of like Trojan horse piece, is like we, we never built Olipop to, get capped at the natural channel, right? Which a lot of innovation does get capped there. Natural channel is fantastic, great consumer, health conscious, willing to spend a little more, willing to experiment. So they're a phenomenal early consumer and they're an important consumer. Uh, For us, it was about reaching that group, but then going, uh, widening the tent from there and making sure we were capturing more mainstream accounts and more mainstream customers. Also, really because, you know, The goal has always been that this should be innovation for everybody, right? So, we did actually a bunch of marketing research last year and we checked out where we sit. And, like, we over index right now in the Midwest, we're actually selling more product. Um, and for us, Very like, cool. that's a big signal of we're achieving what we set out to achieve because we didn't just create it's not something...
0: just LA and New York, yeah, and
1: the big cities, yeah, yeah. We love Erewan, they were really <laughs> important, um, to. Our founding trajectory, you know, this, those numbers that we got yeah. from Erewhon and the support we got from Erewhon uh, were really was really important. And I think it's great for brands to, to go into Erewhon and, and get and partner with them and use that as proof point and then use that as a springboard to just keep keep going.
0: Absolutely. Um, I, I want to change conversations. You know, I think, you know, Olipop success is the team and most importantly, you and your founder, As a founder, when was it in your journey, like prior to Olipop, where you realized like, hey, I want to go down this path of of entrepreneurship, like when you were dropping out of college at 20, like was your path to always, uh, and I know you touched on it at the beginning here, um, to be in Beverage, because, you know, there's, there's a lot of young founders that listen to this show, and I'd love to just highlight some of the lessons and, you know, the hurdles that you've had to jump through to get to this point, because you know, I'm sure it hasn't been easy, and I'd love to just dive into some of the founder stories that you've gone through. Um, and, and just to get clear on the question, like you know, that moment where you decided to go all in and pursue this as a career path when it comes to being a founder entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, yeah, great question. So, A, I mean, it is the case that a lot of entrepreneurs are just wired a bit differently. I mean, it got to the point where <laughs> this is, like, kind of uh, – a. You know, ridiculous, but a couple of years ago, I actually got my brain scanned because I just like, something is going on here. So I got like a 16-channel EGG, and, and then I got the like hard what? data, like, oh, no, empirically, I've got a weird-ass brain. Um, but, you know, I always kind of was a bit like that. You know, like, uh, <laughs> my favorite stories, actually, this is one of Stephen's favorite stories, so he'll enjoy this getting into in the podcast. But like, you know, when I was in like at third grade, uh, I created something called the X-Men Club. Where I was like, I, I love X-Men and we should have like, you know, community collection of toys that we all get to play with. So let's get a whole group together. We'll donate a certain percentage of our lunch money and we'll pile <laughs> it up and then we'll buy toys and then we'll have like a lock chest somewhere where everyone who blocks the X-Men club to buy X-Men toys. <laughs> and, play and then, yeah, it ended up getting, it ended up getting shut down because, you know, I, anyway, the principal thought I was forming a gang when I was trying to form oh like, God. a young company. But um, but then, I, like, I had a farmer's market. Like, you know, uh, I found out what young Thai coconuts are when I was in high school. And I was like, these are delicious. Nobody sells these. I find that, like, a friend and I made, like, a farmer's market booth just, like, selling coconuts. So I've always, like, been about uh, – uh, I've always been like that. I'm really into electronic music. My music studio is, next, like, next room over. So – uh, in my late teens early 20s I was throwing like raves and warehouse parties um and I think like at you know that stage in my life my kind of two primary passions were music and um, and like health and wellness I ended up going the health and wellness direction just because when I analyzed it I was like I think I can have more positive impact uh, going down this route and so ultimately I guess there's like more Public utility there, and so that's like what I think I want to do. Um, yeah, the dropping out of college thing is interesting because actually it was on the it was so it was on the back of this show I threw. I saw this guy in the crowd, and I was like, huh oh, it's interesting, dude." I don't know why, but whatever. And then I I see him a couple weeks later to Whole Foods, start chatting. He's taking over this fifteen hundred person theater in the town that I work in. He liked my show, and he wants me to come down and apply to be co executive producer. Cool, whatever. So. Or you know cool and then i so i go down lo, like long story short this guy ends up becoming my, my mentor but he's actually uh, like a black civil rights activist who won a supreme court case by himself wow. with no legal representation in the 1980s named edward lawson he's deceased now but um and actually it was real i was quite inspired by him and the thing that i was inspired by was didn't have a law degree he didn't get legal representation he just went to the berkeley law library studied law and then argued this case to the Supreme court and won. I was like, that's wow. fucking like, you know, and then also growing up poor. I'm like, so I'm like, so I'm just like, a, like just a cash machine to these colleges. No, You know, no, I have, I love education. I do not like how it's turned students into piggy banks. Um, yeah. and I'm like, I don't want to be in debt forever. So that's why I dropped like that combination is why I dropped out of college. But I also read, it's actually the founder of cliff bars book okay because i don't even think that i knew that like you could be an entrepreneur that that was a thing you know and it was it's like the white roads and going past less, less travel yeah. I'm like well that sounds like my shit so i dropped out of college <laughs> yeah. my mom said you're gonna be flipping burgers i was like i don't know i feel like it'd be a fear-based decision to go into school right now and so i helped a friend start a commission company but yeah and then in terms of a lot of people are attracted to beverage i was attracted to beverage it's kind of a stupid decision sure. empirically Um, because most, you know, why do you think it's stupid, only 2% of beverage brands make it $2 million in revenue and only 2% of those make it past $10 million in revenue. So the death star shot that is success in beverage is like, you know, it's really, really difficult. That's why I've been in the industry for a really long time. So I think what happens to a lot of people is they get into that category And they're like, and then they get their ass handed to them, which absolutely has happened to me many times. Um, And if they don't have something deeper to reach for, they're just like, you know, screw this, it's too hard, I'm going to go into accounting or whatever. Um, But if you really, if you care about what you're doing and why you're doing it, and you get back in there, or you shift your business plan and attack it again, you know, then obviously each time you gain more experience, your chances of success go up. But So I think that kind of combo is what got me
0: on the entrepreneurial path. That's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And I remember reading um, online, like prior to starting AliPop, that the kombucha company, there's an acquisition. And for context, and I'm curious to know your answer because I actually just sold my software company. Hey, I got acquired just six weeks ago. Awesome. Um, so thank you so You're much. way out
1: ahead of where I was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, you know, I relate to you so much, man. I, I didn't go to college. I'm 22. I kind of had this shift in like pursuing entrepreneurship when I was 16 after. Being in a neck brace almost paralyzed playing football Mm. and just on his path and you know this tech startup though he got acquired announced it six weeks ago and the whole team is now working at this this cool marketing tech company called Nation up in toronto and i I always like to ask the question of transitions right because i feel like i'm i'm really in this right now of transitioning to now working inside this new company and like the different ideas and the different daily routine and the, the different things that come to you where like I I signed up for a marathon and I'm like doing all these things that are just massively shifting who I am and I think that comes with like those ma- like those big moments that happen in life whether that's getting married or getting acquired whatever it may be but so for you like that transition from the prior kombucha company to Olipop I'd love to hear some of you know what went on in your life the thoughts the ideas the the am I good enough what's next just to get a, get some context for maybe founders out there that are going through a transition in their own life
1: yeah for sure i think it's a great question uh and congrats again it's fucking awesome to <laughs> thank have you so much gotten there um seriously i mean knowing how hard it is yeah. <laughs> um, yeah i mean for me it's and for me it boils down to and this is going to sound slightly esoteric but this is kind of how my brain works it's like for me it does boil down to meaning right at the end of, at the end of the day it's like what gives your life meaning? What gives your path meaning? And um, having, I guess it's it's really about like having the courage to, to stand up for that and then having, you know, the pragmatism in terms of how to build your way towards that path. And then that's what fa- facilitates, you know, progression. So um, I also think it allows, yeah, I think it allows you to just make It's like, what's your baseline of your decision-making? A lot of folks react to norms, which is never going to be an option for me. (laughs) There's a lot of facts. uh, Folks react to pressures, which there's a lot of pressure, but you kind of choose your pressure. Um, You know, I'm just big on the self-actualization, personal development spectrum, as I imagine you are. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's like, you can use the, like, if I'm looking back at this when I'm 80, what's going to have mattered to me? Like what's the thing if I didn't do, I'd be disappointed about, or, you know, what's the thing that's going to make me feel like I found something that meaning that had meaning. I mean, I'm, I'm quite existential, right? Like I've never been able to choose a religion. I've never been able to choose spirituality, but I'm also not quite an atheist because I'm really agnostic. I'm like, I have no fucking clue. Um, Like cynically, I'm like, it's probably, it's probably just like I'm a bone sack and then I die. Uh, But it's, but like, You know could be some other like there's a lot also that i just had no clue about i've had some like weird experiences so it's all just kind of like like you know i almost feel like my own personal um process is to really like give my best and have the most like what is my form of respect to existence through how i live um, And, you know, even like, for example, like in my early 20s between like my diet and my lifestyle, I'd gone to a place where I like knew how to be pretty happy and healthy. I knew how to be like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I kind of got this shit on lock. I have this ton I didn't know, but I'm like, I kind of have this arrogantly, yeah. <laughs> I said to myself, I kind of have this shit on lock. Um, and I actually made like a conscious decision to like, allow myself to be less happy and to allow myself to experience more anxiety because i was like you know how nice for me that i get to have built up these skills and and you know these patterns to create this and meanwhile like so much of the world is going through so much unnecessary suffering and yeah I it actually be more it's more painful to lean to step back into it and to to challenge myself but at the like again end of life reflection that's what's gonna be the most meaning and you know you want your life to be a journey and you want your life to be an adventure um I mean I do at least so I'm just like fuck it like let's get back into it
0: yeah absolutely um I I want to ask you is that an aura ring that you're wearing it is it is an aura ring Yeah. yeah I got one as well. I've been on just a a kick of sleep data. I have the eight sleep mattress. I have the Aura. I it. I just got a cold plunge. All this stuff. Dude, like
1: I am having a sauna and a cold plunge installed at my house right now. So I finally got to the point in my life where I like could afford to get a house. So I bought a house, which is super dope. And but like fifty percent of the reason why is I'm like because I want to have my own sauna and cold plunge. <laughs> I've been on so many podcasts talking about saunas and cold plunges and how much I love extreme That's- thermo, you know, thermic. Experiment. No way. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, in a couple of weeks here. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm big on data too. Like, I I had my hormones tested, my blood tested, DEXA scan, max VO2, base metabolic rate, wow. fecal sample. I've been tracking my macros and my sleep and my exercise for months. I mean, one issue I have is. I generate way too much cortisol, um, probably as a byproduct of my life. And just the way my nervous system, ex- my nervous system is balanced. So that creates weight fluctuations for me, despite the fact that like, I eat super clean and I exercise all the time. So I've been working with a health coach, like what the hell is going on? As so we ran this part, we ran all this data and it's like, yeah, you've got cortisol above 10,000 and, uh, wow. so it kind of doesn't matter like what you do your body's always like going to be holding on to stuff. So that's actually wow. part of what I'm hoping this on and the cold plunge help with. Cause like that stuff really resets my nervous system.
0: Wow. No. I, mean, I can just, so cool. Cause I mean, I know you talked about at the beginning of like, you've lived this in terms of like what led to Alipop and just hearing you've listed so many tests just now that I, I've never even heard of. I'm like, wow, like, you really do live this. And I find it so fascinating because I mean, not only are you, are you the founder? Are you the one that's guiding this vision and, and the purpose of what you're building? And so so kudos to you. And, and it's so cool to see that those those cross in such an organic way. Um, you know, outside of work, growing up, family influences, the guidance, mentors, what, what has impacted you, inspired you, or, or cultivated uh, some of your early thought processes about business, life, and just all the things that we're talking about today, because I, I think you have a, a, such a great mindset about, you know, who you are and, and you're very self-aware based on what our, our 20, 30 minute conversation thus far. Um, so I'd love to hear from you. Like, what, are some of those <laughs> mentors, what, what are those early mentors yeah. and influences that have impacted your life in, in a big way?
1: Um, yeah. So, I mean, from the business, the two, I would almost, I mean, they're integrated for me, but I'd separate them a little bit. So from the business side, I would say I'm like not, I'm not actually somebody who like super, super cares about business for business. Um, I see I, I basically just like I'm all about impact commission and just ran the math on, hey, seems like we put a lot of attention and power into money, seems like we put a lot of attention and power into corporations. Uh it's also a perfect vehicle, you know, therefore, to transmit something, something positive, which is where this whole system effectively needs to go. Um, so that's actually yep. the only reason I really got into business. Cause it just seemed like it's same, same thing with soda. Like, it's like, this is a really effective, uh, vehicle for actually creating, being a change agent, you know, for life, it's a little more complicated. Um, because yeah, I mean, I, I gloss over my childhood, but it was, it was rough. Like my father died when I was young and I grew up in actually a pretty traumatic environment and, you know, I, and as actually think like, a lot of entrepreneurs do uh which is an interesting kind of like correlation but i think you know choosing to develop out of something like that like having real exposure to what real severe suffering looks like and feels like uh you know it gives me and and then having worked my way out of it gives me just the tremendous amount of it gives there's it generates like layers and depth around and an urgency around the desire to actually make the world a better place because it's not just about it's not some like concept. It's you know yeah. uh, like I could just easily not be here. You know it's like or or things could be massively worse. And so I think that always just kind of keeps me just you know grounded. I don't I don't think you know it just keeps fuel and it keeps fuel in my engine. Like I just don't think I'll ever not yeah. kind of be able to be actively engaged in that way and but it also has created a platform where in that process I realize I really get to choose my life. And if you really like, and I get to choose my actions. And in fact, even just having choice and and recognizing the power of choice is incredible. Like the value of your time and how limited it is and the power of your choice is they're incredible. And people just like, gloss over it and turn on the tv and do whatever but that's some powerful shit uh and i think even just you know sometimes grappling with some of those things that seem fundamental or obvious but truly recognizing the depth that's there uh is you know like i I have a i'm big fan of jg ballard you know because he was like a he's an author i don't know if you're familiar but like so hitchcock Uh revolutionized horror because hitchcock um you know, basically made horror movies occur in, in like natural environments. Right. So it wasn't a thing from like Mars anymore. It was like someone getting murdered in a shower. JG Ballard basically yeah. did that with science fiction. So instead of like some big space tale, it was like, there's a wormhole in a closet. And there's a um, concept that comes out of that, like the mystery and the mundane um, where it's like, you know, our brains are like optimized for, um, you know, being calm and, and like, and, and, Having a rational locked view on the world, the second you really start digging and digging deeper, so much of the fundamentals that seem like st- static states that are around you suddenly have all of these layers of depth behind them: um, interactions, choices, thought processes, patterns. Yeah. And so there's a ton to mine just being alive. If you're if you're like paying attention and you're engaged.
0: I, I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> What a what a great answer! Um, I do want to be respectful of time. Two more quick questions yeah. before we wrap up here, Ben. Um, one is just thinking about the future of Olipop, What excites you the most?
1: I mean, what will excite me?
0: Uh, so some stuff is a little under the covers.
1: So I'll I'll answer slightly, <laughs> nebulously for sure. But I mean, honestly, it, it, again, it's all about impact. Like there's we we get written we have people writing to us on such a regular basis with these stories that literally like you start it brings tears to your eyes like you actually this is another great example it's like oh yeah it's soda it's whatever we got we got this this one who wrote in that um you know like her, her grandma had terminal cancer uh she was in hospice and um she was in a lot of pain it was terrible but she they would the only thing she could actually drink and keep down Was Olipop for whatever reason. And so they would bring her root beer Olipop every day. um, And they wrote into that space and being like, this, it's really the only, some of the only times we saw our grandma smiling her last couple months of life was when she was drinking a root root beer Olipop because the root beer reminded her of these really treasured moments in her childhood. Um, Wow. Soda is super powerful. You know, what these brands have figured out is that. Like a customer really can only have so strong of a relationship with a brand. What Soda's been so smart about is they've managed to wedge themselves in to people's early attachment memories. You know, the time with their friends, the time with their family, and that's so much more powerful than a brand. Um, and that's so that's why when you, like the mountains of data hit people and say like this is not good for you and you shouldn't drink a liquid cake and a cannibal. well, they kind of shove it off because it's become part of their identity. So being able to create mass scale behavior change, you know, with that is really positive and healthy for people um, effectively without just destabilizing them. Um, And hopefully, fingers crossed, being able to destabilize or being able to uh, disrupt a couple of uh, industries that need disruption. And I am going after a couple of them. Uh, Those those things are the most exciting to me.
0: Very cool. Well, I love hearing that. Very, very thoughtful answer. Last question is just, if you were to go back in time and and give your younger self a piece of advice before starting Olipop specifically, what would that advice be and why?
1: People ask this question. I should have an an answer ready. Oh, I mean, one thing... So, I mean, for sure when I was younger, I was too arrogant. Uh and that arrogance was born out of insecurity. Uh which is just how that equation works. By the way, it's like that's all arrogance is, it's actually always insecurity. Um, so I probably talked to myself about that equation a little bit more because I think that would be helpful. And but ironically, simultaneously, I would have advised myself to listen to listen to myself more also you know because one of the reasons you feel more insecure is because you're you're actually not really listening to yourself or you have doubts about um you know maybe about your instinct about your intuition uh and so that kind of creates that disconnection which can actually drive the insecurity so there's a whole cluster there um that i've learned a lot around as i've just aged and and had experiences and, and experienced some modicum of success um, and yeah, I think that would have been a useful conversation.
0: Love that. Well, Ben, I just want to say thank you so much for, for coming on the show today. I know we've been, I've been looking forward to this for a while now, so I appreciate your time and for everything that you do. And you got a, you got a loyal fan, customer, and supporter over <laughs> here, so excited to keep sharing the word and, as you know, thank you so much for making it happen today. Yeah, no problem, Casey. Thanks for having me on. Good questions.